0: Welcome to the Business of Property podcast. I'm Simon.
1: I'm Pam. And I'm Tanya.
0: We're all property people running our own businesses. This podcast is just us chatting about anything and everything property. Now, you may have noticed that Stuart is missing. Unfortunately, he has been, been struck down by, by COVID in the last couple of weeks, and he's still feeling rather unwell. So, uh, Stuart, I hope you're, you're feeling better as, as soon as possible. I'm sure you'll be, be listening to this and, and very disappointed that you're missing out. So I do hope your, your recovery goes well, and uh, I look forward to, to talking to you again soon. But in the meantime, Pam and Tanya have very kindly agreed to to join me for a chat. They've been on the podcast before, back in episodes 64 and 65, where they were, were talking to us about choosing locations and, and all sorts of other brilliant things. And they are both very experienced people in the property industry. Just before I hit the record button, we were talking about energy costs. And this fits quite well with what Stuart and I were were talking about last week. And we were, were chatting about issues around HMOs coping with increasing energy costs. And then also about trying to improve properties with energy efficiency and green technology like like solar panels and heat pumps between pam and tanya they've got a a brilliant story about each of those so i'm not quite sure where i'm going to go first i I think let's go to let's go to pam first and you you have solar panels on your house so you've you've had them for quite a long time so i understand uh, 2011 you said you had them fitted was that right yeah we we had them fitted in 2011 and at the time they were the
2: latest greatest technology you know How much did they cost? They cost £13,000. I can't remember how many we've got, but we've got quite a lot of solar panels. But only now, I've been keeping a spreadsheet of um, the feed-in tariff that we got paid back. And we were on the first feed-in tariff, which was the highest one. And only now, this year, we have just been paid back our our total um, investment. So now, from now, we should be sort of earning money on that. But, you know, if if that money had been sitting in the bank, I would have been earning money all along. But I haven't been. But that's fine. You know, we're quite happy to go as greed as we can.
0: I think you said you you've just got the solar panels for for electricity. So you you don't have solar panels for heating and you don't have a battery. I think. Yeah, that's
2: right, because in those days that they didn't have battery storage. I've had quite a few people phone me and say, you know, salesmen phone me and say, oh, um, do you want to um, install batteries and that? But, but they're quite expensive, actually, and we just didn't think it was worth it at the time. We might look into it in the future when technology's improved because, you know, it improves all the time. So, yeah, then we'll look into it. And, and the same with the inverter. These people keep on wanting to swap our inverter. But but we, we said, well, when it breaks, we'll worry about it. And, well, it hasn't broken yet so you know we've been quite quite fortunate in in that respect
0: before you got them installed did you did you put together a forecast for how long it would take to to pay back
2: um no so the the cell we did a bit of research and the salesperson said about 10 years and actually they were right but but you know i don't know how much research they had done to be honest you know i right. i they could have just been making it a yeah, but but the whole thing is, you know, they were a new thing, so you've just got to multiply it out and guess how many hours of sunshine you're going to have, and and also the angle that your solar panels are at all makes a big difference. Um, but yeah, for us it's worked out, you know, so we're happy with that. So yeah, we'll see what happens in the future. We've we've got solar panels as well.
0: Ah, I didn't know. Fantastic.
1: <laughs> so we are, we moved a year ago and there's an an outbuilding so there's a garage with a with an office uh, above it which we laughingly call the coach house. And um, and that has got I think it is only 5 years old so as that that was as part of the um the planning permission they had to install solar panels on it my only experience of getting the tariff the fee- so it's there on a feed in tariff as well so we can use it and, and feed in i'm about to to get a check through it's a bit of a faff i mean it was a night it was a big faff getting them transferred over to me as an as an owner of the house not least that they because they were um, british gas were that's who that it feeds into They were upgrading their computer system and they didn't seem to have a a proper message for people like me who were transferring over. But um, I think I'm going to probably get about £120. And they now say they've gone from sending a cheque, which literally this year,
2: they now will do a, a bank transfer, (laughs)
0: Oh dear! They're catching up slowly.
2: Uh, Actually, they've been sending checks all along, and for the very first time, in fact, over this weekend, I got my first bank transfer, and yeah, it was just yay! They've come to the twenty (laughs) first (laughs) century. And the the way
1: it was explained to me was that this is basically a benefit payment, so we have to you. You basically have to phone in, and you have to give them the you, you. You have to do all the work, basically. And you have to apply for the benefit of the fact that you fed in the, the electricity into them. So, yeah, so it's very clunky. They don't make, according to the guy I was talking to, they don't make, they they have to run it as part of their being a fuel supplier, a lot, one of the large fuel suppliers. But they don't actually make any money. They just have, it's just an administration thing that they have to do, apparently. Hence, they make it difficult.
0: So, <laughs> uh, when you were looking at houses to buy, did having solar panels influence your your decision at all?
1: No, but we were thinking because the previous we were going to buy another house, and we were thinking how do we there was that was going to be like a big eco project for us actually. Whereas this house has got a lot less needing to be done to it. I was talking a lot. I was mentioning before, wasn't I, about Emma, a friend of, um, of ours who um, is a an eco retrofitter and so she was giving me lots of advice for this other property that we were buying which was a stone built property into a quarry face but it was old and hadn't really had anything done to it since the 80s and her main bit of advice was before you do change anything or do anything was is basically think about the insulation of the property so whether we were so we were looking into whether to insulate internally or externally and where we could not undermine the, the beauty of the stone, for example, on the outside
0: of the building. Uh, you, don't, you don't want to wrap it in polystyrene or anything?
1: Well, it, <laughs> I mean, there's some amazing there's all sorts of things are amazing cork paints and things like that that can be applied in in multiple layers that now will insulate wow. houses so we were going to we were looking at which facades of the house we we could um insulate externally because it's cheaper and doesn't take any space out of the house and then we were looking at internal insulation as well so the all the the interior interior of the exterior walls but you get my meaning
0: <laughs> yes
1: and also how to prepare for it because we thought well we can't do it all in one hit because we just didn't have the money but we would I mean, and it need a rewire and all of that kind of stuff so we were going to rewire kind of surface rewire making it a feature and with the with the idea that as we then start going from one room to the next each room would basically need replastering but we would reinsulate them et cetera et cetera but that seems to be the big thing is basically insulate your house before you know it, and then the your fuel cost will instantly come down anyway. And and your walls and your roof are the biggest places for heat to escape and energy to kind of go out, go out of the house. And actually, and I was saying earlier, wasn't I, that her her advice is because like, we had to get a new boiler for this house, and her advice was, don't try and deal with the government with their kind of grants and everything because they they're making it making it very very difficult, and there aren't there isn't anybody we haven't got enough people who can actually do the work but also that the the technology isn't quite there to, unless you've got lots of money to burn, the technology is not there quite for the longevity of any products that you might put in. So she wasn't too hot on air source heat pumps if you're working on a budget.
0: Would you have had to have changed the whole heating system if you went for an air source heat pump? But would would you have been sort of pumping air around or would you have used the air source heat pump to then heat water to then power a traditional yeah i was trying
1: to get my head around it because there's various versions i think but um what i was also thinking was should i have underfloor heating because we've got solid floors under our wood floors downstairs for example so it was getting very complicated it gets very complicated and it becomes almost like a remodel <laughs> really, I mean, it, it's, that's, that's how complex it is on old, on, especially on old buildings. On our buildings down in Crawley, I think it would be less complex to at least get the insulation put in because we just need to take the cladding off and put, put the insulation in really. But on old buildings where you've got multiple different materials and everything, it just gets complicated. And it, and it is basically, don't bother moving into your house prepare you know or move out get everything out and get the thing done all in one swoop and then you know doing it bit by piecemeal is is and and i don't think that that this is this is part of the problem i think is that um sorry the the powers that be are not helping people understand what needs to be done and and where where the best money is spent for yourselves but also for for the environment as well it's, it's complicated yeah, isn't it it's so multi-faceted it is. but they're forcing yeah. it well, one thing i do know is that they are are using landlords as the first port of call to make
2: to 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 basically make it happen do you know do you know how epcs have to be c by 2025
0: I've heard, I've seen lots of headlines for this. Is, is this actually fact? It, or is its it, is it rumour? I'm not sure.
2: No, no, it's, a, it's an actual fact. And um, in fact, I've just put one of my houses on the market um, to sell it because I don't know how I can ever get that house up to an EPC. So the other day, Jill Fielding was talking at Crawley Property Meet, and she said she, she reckons it will cost about £10,000 per dwelling on average to, to get, your house up to an EPCC. And she recommends if you're buying new property now, make sure it's already an EPCC before you buy it. Because I can't remember the figure. I have a feeling it's something like 2.9 million properties this will affect. Something like that. Tanya, can you remember any figures like that? Yeah, something it was something like that. If you've got to spend 10,000 per property, how are you going to recoup that? You can't suddenly put up your rents by that much, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera.
0: Ah, well... Perhaps the energy companies have got a, a, a sneaky plan to help you out there by by doubling and tripling the energy costs. <laughs> so, so suddenly that that ten thousand sounds like the cheap option.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, but but you know, like my property up north, I don't get that much rain for it because it's um, I just don't. And I just thought, oh, to try and do that, it's just too complicated. It's easier just to sell the property.
0: Yeah, that, that's a single let property, is it?
2: Yeah, it is. Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. When you when you're not paying the bills, it's it's so difficult to justify it from a business is. point of view. It is.
2: And I've got, um, like another one of my properties is a flat. And and I'm thinking, well, we'd once tried to get insulation done in the whole building and a few people said no. So we couldn't get the, move that forward. So we can't insulate that flat. How could we get that EPC up to a C? But But actually Jill's advice was just wait for a while. I think this is what she said. Just wait for a while and see what, what's the energy like what you said what the energy companies are going to do about it because they've got to do something we can't actually put 2.9 million um houses out the rental market that's not going to work is it
0: no right most of your your portfolio for you guys is hmo properties where you are paying the energy bills so do do you guys have a a plan for coping with with the Increasing energy costs. We are just
1: discussing it weren't we Pam, that's just where, where our conversation was like um, this morning before we were talking with you was what can we do and we've already had a, throughout Covid obviously we've had all these lockdowns and this the government asking people to work from home as much as possible, at, at one point I think we had something like 80% of our tenants were working from home or furloughed, so staying at home the whole time. So. Therefore, we'd set all our rents based on an assumption that, say, 50% of the time, 50% of people would be in, and that, that would, they would need to heat, heat and use electricity. So we kind of calculated that by rule of thumb. But then suddenly, you know, they were all staying in. We also were having, because of, of where five of our properties are, are in Crawley, and obviously Gatwick closed down, so that had a massive effect on, on a lot of our tenants, and a whole load of them ended up on universal credit, or and in the process of going on to universal credit, stopped paying their rents because they had to wait for six weeks plus. So we've so and the government haven't paid us for that; <laughs> they've never caught that back up. So we've got quite a few of those tenants are um, in arrears, and now we're facing. And so we so we've had had a number of those kind of things going on, and then now we've got these increased we've already had increased bills and reduced income, but we have now got the um, increased bills that we can see kind of floating our way. So what we're thinking of doing is increasing rents for the first time in a long, 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 long time. We've usually kind of just done it when people have changed over, we'll have added add an extra 20 pounds or 25 pounds to the rents or something like that when you've got a new tenant. But now we're actually, serious and I think we're going to do it aren't we Pam because we're going to ask for well
2: we have to I'm about to actually do a spreadsheet our our tricky thing is um, with quite a few of these houses we were with Green Network Energy that went um, went bust earlier on in the year and then we were with Avro Energy and they've just gone bust now so the bills are all a bit tricky because they they say to you, please don't swap when they put you on another um, with another supplier. They say, please don't swap for the for the first three months or six months until they get it all sorted out. So our bills are a bit tricky until we can just find out exactly what is what. But also because Crawley is has been hit so hard by COVID, all our rents of uh, new rooms coming in we actually reduced by just five pounds here and ten pounds there just to get tenants, and we are fully tenanted. But if everyone's just, all the, all the new tenants are actually just paying a slight bit less. And now we're thinking, well, now we've got to increase all their rents. We won't do it for the, the ones that are in a fixed term agreement, but the ones that have passed their first six months, we have to because we just cannot support them anymore. You know, we kind of feel like we're, we're not running a charity and that's really what it does feel like at the moment. So, yeah, it's a tricky situation. And, and in addition, of course, they're facing an extra
1: uh, or a loss of £20 a week, aren't they, in their universal credit? I'd have thought if they're st- the ones that are still on it. So so we're in a bit of a quandary and we we can ask, but we might not get, <laughs> is the way we're
2: thinking. And they're also paying their arrears. So, so yeah, they yeah, they're going to be struggling, but everybody's going to be struggling for a little while, I think.
0: Yeah, Do you have fixed-term energy costs at the moment, or are you seeing your prices go up already?
2: So in, in Crawley, we were with Avro for three of our houses. So those are not fixed They were on fixed-term contracts, but they've just been moved on to, I think, Octopus Energy, which is uh, it's the standard variable rate. So, so no, they're not fixed costs. The other two houses, yeah, they, they are on fixed costs, actually. So those two will be okay but it's the three plus we've got others in in nottingham and you know that are, are variable as well so yeah but the other thing is with a fixed cost is that that that
1: it will build up won't it so it, we might have set it set it at a certain rate but if we go over that they come back for extra extra money is that right Pam uh,
2: yeah but we do pay a fixed cost per unit of how much gas or electricity they yeah. use and they just happen to be using a lot more now which yeah. we, didn't, we didn't budget for in the beginning because we didn't expect people to be working from home so much
0: yeah uh, something that sounded interesting there when when an energy company goes bust you you don't get to keep the tariff that you previously agreed is that the case so you they move you to a new company and you get given a new tariff And yeah. you don't you don't get a choice over that
2: but, yeah, that's right. And then and then they say to you, please don't move for, a, well, about three months or until they have onboarded all those new customers, because it just causes chaos for them. So you just stay with them for three months. And well, as soon as I can, of course, I check all the comparison sites and then I move. <laughs> but unfortunately, because I, I do that, I often move to the cheapest company. And those are the ones that have been going bust lately. So. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it's just one of those things.
0: Oh dear, yeah. It's, it's just frustrating, isn't it? it I mean, I, I can understand it taking a while for, for the companies to sort themselves out and, and get on top of the, the paperwork and transition and stuff. But yeah, being forced onto whatever tariff they like, basically, and then being asked to stay there. It's, and to it's be a bit frustrating. That,
2: they are being as fair as they can. They're not putting you on the highest, highest tariff. And when we moved from green network energy to edf they put us on a a reasonable tariff and then they said from actually the 1st of october if you don't swap you know everything's going up so you know we swap that sort of thing so you know they they're trying to be fair but nobody can control this um prices of gas and everything that are going up you know yeah But, but saying that you know i was at an hmo on friday Every single light in that house was on in the middle of the day. And actually, I put a note on the WhatsApp group saying, please be considerate,
1: you know. And if if it's not for us, who's paying the, you know, I mean, they're paying the bill ultimately, aren't they? So we're we're paying the bill, but their rent is paying the bill, is what I'm saying. We've we've allocated a cost, it, so But obviously, they're they're overstepping that now. But it's just for the planet, if anything else. It's just like, for God's sake, we're not, you know... (laughs) Just a beggars belief, yeah, I, you exactly. know, because they don't feel it coming out of their pocket. You know, they, yeah. I don't. Yeah. Know what, you know what I mean? They don't. They actually don't. Kind of, yeah. They do, they don't feel it coming out of their pocket as a as a separate cost. That's what I think happens, and this that, and they just kind of like blithely go through and 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 things. And you just and then, you know the amount of times we've gone through past our our houses on a, on a winter's day and they've got windows open, yeah. But the heat is up at twenty-four, twenty-five degrees and they've and, and the,
2: the windows open. And when yeah, we man. do when we do inspections, we often find they've got electric heaters and they're running them. And you say to them, just turn on the central heating, you know, and they just don't. They just use their own electric heater, which is not not good. Yeah. Even though we banned them. We've banned
1: electric heaters, yeah. you know, because we've we've given them, you know, heating and we and that's our expectations that they use the heating but no oh but I was cold well turn the heating on and then we have to have complaints as well because we use what's it called timostat which is this thing where you have to actually go and press a button to get um kind of two or three hours heating and 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 that kind of frustrates them and it's just like well actually I do that I basically have a timer in my house although I or I use my thermostat in a thermostatty kind of a way, and I interact with it, you know, because I work from home, so therefore I am, you know, aware when the heating's coming on and off, um, and I have it set quite low, and I move the, the thermostat round with me. <laughs> so like such an old skinflint, but I do. I literally walk around, and I've also got, I've got, we've got them on a, we've got like a controller on our smartphones. But um, we have half considered about moving them over onto Hive, all the houses over onto Hive, and then us watching and turning things down when, <laughs> because they will have control. <laughs> we'll will be able to over override it. But they're quite happy to, to – I mean, I would never put the heating up to kind of 20, 24, 25, 26 on my thermostat at all. But quite, we often come into, especially the crawly houses, I think, where they've just really what the, the heating, the the thermostat's up. Oh, so it becomes a bit of a battle.
0: I, I do agree on, on needing to be careful with your heating, but my wife and I do have a, a, a running disagreement on this. So I, I will quite often be, be sat at home, because I work at home anyway, and I'll have a, a T-shirt on and a jumper on and then a fleece on, and I've turned the heating up to 24 and my wife will come home and say 24 you can't have it that high i'm freezing i've got clothes on as well that's not it's not like i'm i'm turning the heating up because i can't be bothered to get a jumper
1: you might need to move your thermostat to a different room because it's often where the thermostat is placed as well so if you've got it in a cold spot then it, it will never get up to the 24 or if you've got it in a warm spot the rest of the house won't get get up to the a, a temperature that you that's you know
0: it's actually in the room I work in. So so I think it's actually just, just me that's broken, really. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I, think, I think you
2: need to look at insulating your walls and your roof or something like that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Possibly. Although it's, it's a, a fairly new build house. So in theory, it should be good. But yeah, anyway, as I said, I think it's me that's broken, really.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: I need, need to fix my own Get internal Get <laughs> It'll be
1: fine. Put your <laughs>
0: I haven't tried a balaclava. Perhaps I should try that. I do have slippers.
1: (laughs) I did a whole plane journey from London to uh, Chicago once with a guy sitting on the plane next to me with a balaclava on.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That that would have worried me a bit.
1: Three, nine, (laughs) nine, (laughs) eleven.
0: Oh, dear. We've run over, which is fairly inevitable with these things. And there's one more thing I wanted to, to try and squeeze in. Tanya, you were talking before we started about the, the idea that trying to get energy improvements and efficiency improvements to pay back was the wrong way of looking at it. So we started this conversation looking at PAM's solar panels and the fact that they've taken 10 years to, to pay for themselves. But Tanya, you were saying that's wrong.
1: Yeah, well, I, would, I, I through talking to Emma and also i'm very kind of interested in this whole whole thing and one of the things that she was saying is that whatever what where else around the house do we expect payback for what we've what we've we've an improvement we've done so when we fit fit new double glazing do we sit down with a with a with a spreadsheet um and a calculator working out the payback of of those we might think well they'll improve the the house value you know and that that will help like when i when i moved house i actually changed our 1970s windows that we'd had for the whole of the time that we lived there for almost 20 years changed them the year before to better windows because i thought well that's going to add value and make it make it um more sellable but we don't we seem to expect of our green improvements that they need to pay back, and um, what Emma said, it said, and I've heard it from other green experts as well, is that it, it was the absolute folly of the green brigade to try and convince people to do this because it was going to pay, it would pay them back. So you don't look at your normal but gas boiler and think, well, when that, when's that going to pay back? Yet we look at a, an air source heat pump and say, well, when's it going to pay itself back off to me? And similarly, we look at our, you know, maybe our changing into an electric car and think, well, how's it going to pay itself? You know, and think we, and then we equate fuel cost to the extra fact, the, the, the fact that electric cars are going to cost more. And, sh- you know, from what I can understand and I, uh, that we need to kind of get out of that kind of mentality because what we're saving is actually the planet, not, not necessarily our pocket. And we've we've done what we've done at the cost of the planet already. So I think it's worth kind of thinking each For me, I, I want to that any improvements that I do to this house that I'm in now will be based on how is it going to help the planet. And, you know, there's going to be an affordability ele- element as well. But um, I would love to get some insulation, more insulation in the walls, for example. And I'll probably do be doing that externally on the half of the house that's already rendered, you know, at some point. But um, yeah, so I think that if we can start stop thinking about how's it going to pay us back, although it's interesting because you can like Pam's got her spreadsheet about her solar panels. It's interesting to to, to be able to kind of go, oh yeah, that's paid it, itself back now. But maybe we need to stop thinking like that quite so much and think, you know, how are we going to heat? I think I think it's ultimately going to come to how are we going to stay warm in our our properties moving forward because actually. You know, we're going to run out of gas and we're going to run out of these things and we're going to run out of time for the planet. Is my feeling.
0: Yeah. Yep. I think that's a a good point to to end on, really. The fact that we we shouldn't be looking at at it as a a monetary payback, but we should, of course, be looking at affordability, but really be looking at it as a a way to improve things, improve our properties, improve our, our green credentials, improve the environment and improve our, our sustainability on this planet, mm. which is, which is all, all important things to, to work on. Mm. Yeah. Probably more important than our, the, the money in our pockets, really, to, to some major extent. Mm. Absolutely, agreed. I think we'll we'll leave it there. Thank you very much to, to Pam and Tanya for, for joining me at, at very short notice for, for this recording and, uh, and sharing your excellent knowledge again. And for everyone else, Thank you very much for listening. Please do leave a, a rating and review if you have a few moments to spare. They they really do help. The show notes can be found at thebusinessofproperty.com and somebody will talk to you again next week. <laughs>